You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Exactly the same except he's got a much better beard than I. Beard envy up here. We're in our second week. First week, we talked about this audacious life starts with a thought, and we're basing it in Luke 2.52, where Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. So today, I get the honor to preach on stature, and I want to suggest this audacious life brings order. This audacious life brings order. Order. What does stature mean? Stature is your physical world. It's your tangible world. It's everything that's external to what's in your mind. It's your finances. It's your health. It's things that are going on around you. Stature is not just about how tall you are, but it's how tall you stand. And I wonder, have you had a time in your life where mess has brought chaos? Where mess has brought chaos? One of my first ever offerings in Manchester campus. I was 22. I was our youth pastor, wasn't on staff yet. I was about to give the offering. And let me tell you, I was nervous, but for some reason, I didn't prepare. Everybody say, ooh, didn't prepare, right? You know what they say, feel to prepare and prepare to. There we go. You listened in school, gave yourself a high five. I mean, you guys did it. Love that. And I'm on the Manchester stage and I haven't prepped and I'm opening with this joke that works really well in Northern Ireland but does not translate in England. And I'm telling people about how I'm from Northern Ireland and you know, we're all potato farmers in Northern Ireland. And I said to the youth that night, I said, and here's a picture coming up on the screen of my family. So they all looked to the screen And I thought it was hilarious that on the screen came Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. You guys get it. It must work. Young people these days. I put this on the screen and nobody laughed. There wasn't one laugh, not even a smile. And I forgot everything that I had prepared. Literally, the color drained from my face. I forgot my name, where I was, and I literally started to try and make up stories on the spot. Forgot my Bible verse. Everything went out the window. It was literally a car crash. Mess brought chaos. Were some of the youth, were you there? No, you guys have just come through. It was, I'm glad, because now nobody remembers. (laughs) Praise God. It was a car crash moment where mess had brought chaos. Another time in Bible college, we were given an assignment to do, and it was due at the end of the year. It was a weekly personal development reflection on practical theology. You'd done it for the week, but they were all due at the end of term. Now, you would like to think that you do one every week and the workload wouldn't become taxing at the end, but me and some of the Bible college guys, we left it all to the last minute. The night before it was due, we all went to the library, four of us, Jake, Courtney, Sammy, and I, to stay up all night to cram these personal development things together. I can't even remember what I was writing at four in the morning. I was just punching the keyboard. Jake was asleep on the floor. It was 
awful. We handed it in. Our eyes were like this. We hadn't slept. It was awful. We just about passed, praise God. But the mess brought about chaos in our world. And the danger for us today is this, is that we can read our Bibles all we want, but if we don't apply the Word of God into our physical world, we'll end up living lives that are disordered, are messy, are in chaos, and are chaotic by nature. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're a carrier of the Holy Spirit. So we've got a responsibility to make sure as temples with our greatest physical asset on the planet that each and every one of us put order into our physical world. Maybe for you, times that have been messy and chaotic have been times where You've got that drawer at home and it's just filled with every letter that you get in in the post. It's filled with your passports are in there, your important documents are in there. But the one time you need something, you go to the drawer and you can't find what you're looking for because mess has brought chaos. Maybe it's your email accounts. You've got Gmail, you've got Yahoo, you've got MSN, who even uses MSN these days, it's where emails go to die. But when you're looking for something, that one email, you can't find it because things aren't in order. And God is calling us today in Luke 52 with the example of Jesus to grow in stature and to bring order to our physical world. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Jesus grew in stature. He brought strength to his physical world. So we all have a responsibility today to grow in our physical world. The first thing I want to suggest today to do to bring order to your physical world is to be fiercely determined. Somebody say fiercely determined. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days. Did you know your physical body, the temple you're in, is on a clock? Your time is limited. Bet you're glad you came to church today. What did the pastor say? My time is running out and I am blessed. It doesn't matter how much capital you generate, how good your health is, how you live your life. All of us, the reality is, are on a clock. Our days are numbered. And culture tries to pull us in lots of different directions on this journey called life. Culture tells us if we just get that job and earn that salary, then life will be good and head in the right direction. Culture tells us if we just get married by this age, have a house by that age, have 2.4 kids, then we'll have done everything we need to do in order to have a good life. Culture tells us if you just make it through the education system, you do your A-levels, you go to uni, you get a master's. If you just keep studying, then you'll have a good life. You'll have done everything required to have a good 
life. And some of these things are great ideas, but the danger is if we live pulled by the weight of culture, we'll not live in the fullness of the calling of what God has for us because each one of us have a purpose, a calling, a destiny from God that rarely lines up with what culture says, rarely lines up with what society says are the ideas for our lives. And God today isn't interested in how well I conform to the patterns of this world. He is interested in how well I am living his kingdom purposes. Culture's measure is convenience, but God's standard is conviction. Convenience lives comfortable. Convenience does what is easy. Convenience does what costs the least and gets the most. Convenience blows with the wind of culture to do whatever is popular and favorable. But conviction lives with a sense of fierce determination that it doesn't matter what anybody else says, what culture says, what society says, but is fixed on the convictions of the Word of God to fulfill calling, whatever the cost, whatever it requires, whatever it looks like, because conviction is greater than convenience. And if we fail to live life fiercely determined in our convictions, we'll float through life, living lives of convenience, not utilizing and using the days and the time that God has given each one of us to fulfill what he has called us to do. J.R.R. Tolkien, we were talking about Lord of the Rings earlier, says this, says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Mark Twain says it like this, there's two most important days in your life. The day you're born and then the day that you find out why. Now, Jesus lived with a sense of purpose in each and every day. There's this moment where it's like the narrative in the Bible changes in Luke 9 and verse 51, where Luke writes this, he says, as the time approached for him, this is Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out towards Jerusalem. Another translation says he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Jesus has spent his days so far that we've read about healing the sick, being with people, operating in what God's called him to do. But there's this moment where everything shifts into his calling and his calling is the cross. If you don't know anything about Jesus, well, Jesus went to the cross for us, taking on the sins, the hang-ups, the mess-ups of humanity so we could have access to a relationship with God. He was bruised, beaten, whipped, betrayed, hurt, kneeled to a cross for us. Now, the issue really isn't whether or not Jesus did that because there's more historical evidence that he did than for Julius Caesar being alive. You get what I'm saying? The question is whether or not Jesus is the son of God. Jesus resolutely set out towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, towards beating, towards flogging, towards punishment because of his love for us. And he could have lived a life of convenience, put his feet up on the table saying, hey, disciples, I'm God, come and wash my feet. But our Jesus came and washed the disciples' feet. And in this moment, he sets out resolutely for the cross, fiercely determined in his physical world to prioritize conviction over convenience. 
where have you prioritized convenience in your world? Where have you sought to live a life of comfort over a life of calling? When you live a life of comfort, comfort's not bad, but when you set up your tent in that place, society will drag you back into its ideals, its norms, its standards, whereas God has called each one of you to live fiercely determined in your calling for his name. This audacious life brings order to our physical world. The second thing I wanna encourage you with on this audacious life is it seriously fun? Oh, give me a whoop whoop. Seriously fun. Psalm 144 verse 15 says, yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Last year, we brought our neighbors to church to our light party for their kids. And their first impression walking through the building as the band were singing, kids songs that were praising the name of Jesus was, wow, this is church. What, you don't sit in rows and stay quiet and you have fun and people are smiling and they're laughing. I'm like, what churches have you been to? I apologize for that. But they came in and said, wow, this is awesome. You guys are fun. Could not believe how fun we were and how fun we are because we're seriously fun. And each one of us have to bring fun into purpose. We've got our purpose, we've got a calling, but we've got to learn the art to bring fun into purpose. We tried to do it in youth ministry. One Friday night, we decided, let's play hide and seek after pack down, guys. Let's do hide and seek, right? And we spent about 45 minutes looking for one guy who we couldn't find. His name was Leo, and all of us were walking around this church building shouting his name. Could not find Leo. He was texting us, giving us clues, couldn't find. Leo had no idea where he was. Leo, it turns out, was hiding at the back inside the insulation behind the draping. And when we found Leo, he fell out and brought some of the insulation with him on his way down. All of us have to learn to bring fun into purpose. The days are numbered, but we've got to learn to have fun. We've got to learn to enjoy life. Because I said it last week, permanent states of intensity crush the joy of humanity. Too many Christians live life as party poopers. There should be an overflow of fun in our lives as followers of Jesus. Mark 12, 37 says this, and the common people heard him, Jesus, gladly. Meaning the average person loved to be around Jesus. He was fun. They loved to be around him. His first miracle was at a wedding party. It was at a party. And we've got to learn the lost art of biblical partying. Partying in the New Testament is fun. There's laughter. There's good food. There's celebration. And it's self-controlled. Partying for us is not a form of escapism to get over what we've been through in the week. Partying is an overflow of the joy of what God has done. Galatians 2, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
joy and self-control. There should be an overflow of the fruits of the Spirit in your life of joy and of self-control. Let me tell you, we should have the best parties on the planet. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was empty and without hope, but now I found the greatest reason for being alive, hope in God. Oh, come on. Something should ignite inside of you because of what He has done. Yes, life's tough. Yes, we go through things. Yes, it's not rainbows and roses and smells of lavender every day. If that's your life, then God bless you because it's not mine. Life is real, but we should learn to bring fun into purpose and let joy flow through our lives. Not out of control, but in control. Your neighbor should look at your life and say, I want what you have. Your friends in school should say, wow, you, you have something on the inside. You went through that, but you're still joyful. You've still got purpose. You're still trusting God because it's how they'll then see your life that will cause them to want to live your life and not live your life, but live the life that's inside of you through what Jesus has done in you and through you. Use your life and let the whole world see what it really looks like to have once been dead and to now be alive in God. This audacious life brings order to our physical world. The third thing we all need to do is to live fearlessly devoted. Fearlessly devoted. It says in Colossians 3 verse 23, whatever you do, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Lisandra, my wife's dream one day is to have a workshop in our garage where she'd make things, she'd learn joinery, she loves DIY. It was one of the things we decided right before we got married, when you tick who'll do which jobs in the house, was that I'd do the bins, Lisandra would do the DIY and and the spiders, I kind of admitted, okay, I'll do the spiders. I don't like them, but I'll, I'll do the spiders. Last week, a monster was in our living room. I mean a monster spider. It had legs on its legs and hairs on its hairs. It was huge. Lisandri looks at me as if to say, do you remember that page we signed of jobs? This is your job. As like, babe, I pick up the dog poo. That wasn't on the list. Surely that compensates for something in there. She says, oh, no, no, not happening. So I wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. And now the spider takes up residence in our home. We give it the keys and we're looking for somewhere else to stay. So if you know, a, if you've got a room going, we'll happily have it off you. This monster in our house. Lysandra's really practical. She's good at DIY. And for me, I'm not in high school. My technology teacher called me the boy with feet for hands. That's how good I was at technology and design. But I was determined in my class that I'd complete the class and I'd pass my GCSE. And it took me much longer than everybody else. They were gifted, they were skilled. And there's me just filing away my Aragon target, trying to put the joints together, trying to wire the electrics, trying to redo the target because the plastic had warped. Just spending so much time trying to do this. But I stuck at it. I was fearlessly devoted. I made a decision. I'm going to commit to this thing and I'm going to get it done. And it's my honor to say that I passed GCSE technology and design. Praise 
God. And many of us have achieved things in our life because we've been fearlessly devoted to stay on track. No matter how hard it is, no matter what it costs us, we've made a decision that despite what's going on around me, how much it costs, I'm going to get this thing done. And consistency for us is the key to being fearlessly devoted. Motivation fluctuates, but discipline is consistent and puts in the effort to grow as if working for the Lord. Discipline, in fact, is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. And I want to know today, what are the habits you've put in your life that you are fearlessly devoted to? What is it in your world that you're consistent about? Doesn't matter what's going on, that you're laser focused on. Is it your health? Do you have time in the week where you put aside to work out, to go on walks, to take the dog for a walk, to go to the gym? How's your, how's your diet? Do you eat well or eat badly? Do you snack late at night? How are your finances in your physical world? Is there disorder or is there order? Is there budget management? Is there savings? Is there investments? Every pound has a purpose. How's your thought life? We talked about it last week. Is it thoughts taking control of your emotions or are you taking thoughts captive? Your energy management, what are you giving your limited energy resources to? Will Durant says it like this, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but it's a habit. And without the consistency of habits and pushing towards accomplishments, our world will remain chaotic and without order. You can fall into fame today, but you can't fall into greatness. And greatness is the result of many habits compounded over time. For some of us in our physical world, in our health, in our diet, in our finances, there's disorder. But we ignore it. I want you to be reminded by the word of God, by Jesus who spent 30 years of his life where we hear nothing about him really other than his birth and some time at the temple, where he spends his time getting his world in order, growing, learning, putting things right before starting his ministry. I want to challenge you today to be fiercely devo fearlessly devoted to go home and bring some order into our physical world. Do you control your time or does your time control you? Come on, this isn't about doing five days at the gym this week. This is about doing one thing over and over and growing, compounding our habits together. These are the good old days. The good old days aren't last year, aren't 10 years ago. Today, these are the good old days. Why? Because destiny is now. Destiny is not something in the future we work towards. Destiny is right here, right now. And I want to encourage you today to be fearlessly devoted about bringing a level of order to your physical world. Let me tell you, some things you'll do physically in the natural that will bring dividends in the supernatural. You can't pray your house clean. How many people know that to be true? I've tried. You can't. Take it from the pastor. But how much freer would our thought life be? Would our health be? How much stronger would we become if we just began to do the right thing by our bodies and by this temple of the Holy Spirit? And the last thing, the last thing to grow in our stature in order in our world is to be wildly authentic. Everybody say wildly authentic. Wildly authentic. 
It says this in Genesis 3, 8 to 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God. It's a bit like Leo played in hide and seek. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, this is Adam, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God asks Adam in this moment, in the garden, in the early days of humanity, where are you? Now God is omniscient, he knows everything. So God isn't asking a question on his geography in the garden, where are you in the garden? He's asking a question, where are you at in relationship with me? God makes an invitation to Adam, to humanity, to be wildly authentic. Where are you at? And in this moment, church, I want us to be wildly authentic. Where are you at in your world? Is there chaos and disorder? Or is there order and alignment? This isn't about living a perfect life, having all the ducks in a row, but this is about taking control of the time that God has given us because our time is limited. You don't wanna sit back one day, looking back, reflecting on your life and have tons of if onlys, regrets and should have done. Discipline weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. And why don't you take the little weight of discipline today apply it to your life and watch what God will bring you into, into your purposes, through your convictions. You'll have more fun than you've ever had before and your world will be in order. But it starts with a moment of being wildly authentic and saying, God, where am I at? He asks you today, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you hiding from God, hiding from order? Because in reality, it's, it's a bit of a tough pill to swallow. God's not standing at the door disappointed. He's standing at the door with open arms, inviting you to come into his principles, his edicts, his principalities for your life. And when you put God first, you do the right thing in the right direction for the right amount of time, watch what he'll do on the other side. The breakthrough you're believing for, it is at the end of the prayer, but God's trying to get you to change on the journey. How can you change and become the person you need to be to step into that job? How can you change and be healthy so you live a long life and you can serve God for the longest amount of time? What can you do today to bring order, alignment, claim back your time, have more fun, and be fearlessly devoted to. I wanna ask these questions really quick. Where has convenience compromised convictions? Where is it today you once were convicted about something, you knew it to be true, it's in the word of God, but convenience has made it easy. What is the 1% change you can make today to stay fearlessly devoted to consistency? And where do you need to get real with God and be wildly authentic in where you are. Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. 
We need to grow in stature in our physical world because that is all the world will see. That's all they see on the other side of our lives. They don't see the thought life. They don't see the prayers. They don't see us here on a Sunday in church doing Christianity, but what they see is how we are on our Monday, on our Tuesday, on our Wednesday. And if they can look at your life and see someone who is seriously fun, someone who is fiercely determined, someone who is fearlessly devoted, and when life gets tough, is wildly authentic, let me tell you, they'll want the Jesus inside of you. So church, this week, for the sake of our world, and your world. Let's go forward bringing order to our physical world and watch what God will do as they see your life. They'll wanna know Jesus and your life will be stronger, freer, better than you could have ever prayed it for. And it all starts with this first verse, our days are numbered. If you do one thing today, go home and start to look at your diary, look at your time and start to bring in order and start to strip back all of those things that have a grip on you. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 